Testing, testing, testing. Blah, 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 blah. Ready, set, go. It's time for the Coach Amy and Coach Liz Show. A podcast for endurance athletes by two athletes, two coaches, and a physical therapist. We are your hosts, Coach Amy and Coach Liz. Coming to you from Kansas, Kansas City. City. Hello, peeps. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Liz makes me start this at 7.45 in the I- morning. <laughs> this is what I do. This is what I do. This is my preparation. I roll out of bed. We drink coffee. We spray deodorant on and we brush our teeth. <laughs> so we're not offensive <laughs> to you. That's not much more than what I do, except I have to get in a car. Oh, yeah. And I'm so appreciative of that. <laughs> we record here at my house in my little home office. Um, so we're very, I'm very lucky. So we are going to talk today. What are we talking about? Today? Oh, first, before we start talking about what we're going to talk about today. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we have had we our last episode that we released last week was on super shoes. And, you know, I was like a little nervous to release that episode. I just wanted to trash it because I got really super passionate and fired up about it. Well, it's good. But we've had a lot of really good feedback. I have a lot, a lot of good feedback in the clinic about it today, or I mean this week. And um, and then, of course, David Hubby, he's like, that was a good episode. And I was like, really? And I was like, uh. And he's like, Liz does a good job reining you in. And <laughs> I was like, no, he oh, said that. He did. Oh, that's so excellent. He said that. I know. And, and I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember him saying, like, you and Liz should do a podcast together. <laughs> Well, usually you're the one reining me in, so I feel like that's nice. It's a good, it's a back, like, it's exactly, a and he knew that would be, like, that, this uh, recipe would work. Wow. These two ingredients. Wow. I know. But, speaking of super shoes, I do have a few, few little corrections I want to mention, and they're, they're in the show notes for this episode, for the super shoe episode, but um, I would be remiss if I didn't um, make a correction here, because... Uh, in the podcast episode, I refer to a metatarsal bar, and we talk about that. Um, and it's that term might be quite misleading because in in the industry, a better term for it is a four foot rocker. So just when we talked about the metatarsal heads and the foot rolling through, the four foot rolling through um, quickly, that's really referred to a four foot rocker because that can be achieved in various ways by different manufacturers. Mm. So. I kept saying this metatarsal bar, and you're like, yeah, like, can you open it up and see that there's a bar there? And I'm like, well, I don't know. And the reason I don't know is that it's achieved in various different ways. It could be like a denser layer of foam in that portion of the shoe. It could be that there's a transition from like a firm plate to foam. So Mm -hmm. there's like this moment arm there, or it could be a curved plate. I mean, there's multiple different ways that that could be achieved. So I just wanted to um, bore you all with the details on that correction. But the point of that is, is it is helping helping your foot roll through that motion. So right. that's right. Okay. But I just didn't want people going around going going to shoe stores and say, "Does this have a metatarsal bar?" Well, no. <laughs> well, Amy said there's a metatarsal bar here. <laughs> so anyway, okay. And then um, another little correction is I referred to us using super shoes in physical therapy for a long, long time. But what I meant is that we used orthopedic orthopedic shoes and insoles with the same features. So you're so. saying that, that before the super shoe was ever a thing in the running community that you were using a shoe with a similar setup in the physical therapy community to help with 
foot corrections and foot right. things going on. These super shoes, running shoes, didn't exist before, and we were putting people in them in these running shoes that, that they weren't running shoes, they were orthopedic shoes or insole inserts that achieved the same thing. Okay. Okay. So, and if all of that is clear as mud, hopefully you just fast forwarded through that. <laughs> okay. So on to the topic of the day, which is... Um, illness and running? Is that what we're talking about? Or just like, should we work out when we're sick? Should we work out when we're sick? Yeah. That. And I actually learned this from years ago from a patient who is also a doctor, like a, a pediatric physician. I learned from him, there's a good rule of thumb. If the symptoms are mild and at the neck or above, like sore throat, sneezing, or like a mild headache, running, running, and probably the same for like swimming and biking, I would assume, um, is usually okay. Yeah. And I will, I'll tell you that usually running is the first thing that I will eliminate off of a triathlete schedule when they don't feel well, because it's like, it's just a lot harder on the body, but like a gentle bike, I feel like is, is, is usually a good go-to option if somebody's not feeling great. Yeah. Okay. If the symptoms are below the neck. So, for example, like body chills, <laughs> mm. aches, and fatigue, you know, running. like, And we're talking not, not fatigue like workout soreness or workout fatigue like that, um, but like really overall overwhelming fatigue. Then, you know, running is a no-no. And I would think you would say like body chills, like we're not doing any swimming or yeah, biking no. with that one. There's no. no easy spin for that. Yeah. So running when ill... And, you know, any um, hard workout is going to produce more stress to a body that is already cranking out immune cells and antibodies and cortisol, which is a stress hormone, to get rid of some pesky germ. So you're putting yourself at risk for heat-related illnesses, and you're impairing your body's immune reaction. So you're just, like, slowing down the ability to heal from that mm -hmm. um, illness, and so you're kind of prolonging stuff, too, mm -hmm. you know. Okay, so what are we going to do in a scenario where, you know, it's like an above-the-neck scenario, okay? So, you know, if, if it's severe enough, you might want to take a week off. That would be a lot, right? And you might say, easy. this would be easy spin. Yeah. Right. You'd have to and, be pretty sick. Yeah. Um, so let's just, let's say it's um, a, a mild to moderate above-the-neck kind of thing. Modify your training. So in terms of running, that might look like, you know, decreasing the mileage or the intensity. So you're going to maybe do some easier runs. And then, as always, we're talking about hydration. I mean, <laughs> work on that and getting the sleep and the rest that you need mm -hmm. and practicing good nutrition. So those are all kind of things we talk about even when you're not sick. Yeah. But those are just even more important. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's, it's, I have athletes that like, you know, of course you get sick sometimes during your training, but um it's interesting during taper that people tend to, you know, that that, oh, that can yeah. surface during taper, and it's really difficult oh, when you're when you're tapering and then you're heading into a race and you have like you feel like you're getting sick. Um, and I, what I've learned over the years is that you know if you really just focus on actually getting better, it is it, it's it's amazing how much you don't lose. Like it might take a couple workouts, but once you're feeling better, if you've let your body heal and then you kind of get back into, you know, you, it usually takes a couple workouts to get your body to kind of open back up again, which is normal even after a recovery week, right? right. Because your body sort of shuts down a little bit, which is normal, right. yeah. but you give yourself a couple workouts 
Um, and I mean, most of the time, like, you know, you'll be right back to where you yep. were. And when that happens, even during taper, like generally actually people race better because they've rested enough. Right. So, and, and then, and they, you return to your workouts, even if you've been sick, you return to the workouts quicker mm-hmm. if you've if you've given that rest so it's this it's very difficult to do though when you're in the throes of training to think oh my gosh I'm missing workout a b and c oh training is gonna go down the drain it's the head that's where you've got to manage your mental space and yep. that's your job as an athlete to you have to manage that mental space because yep. if you don't you're not going to make decisions that are good for your body yeah and if you have a coach that can they can help you with that manage that too when you start depends on how crazy you are <laughs> Well, we, we can't work miracles, people. can try. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about below the neck germs. So I'm going to throw out an example like bronchitis. So that's, we're talking about going into the air passages and airways and lungs versus stuffed up nose kind of thing. Uh, so respiratory viruses can sometimes settle down into those lungs and the primary airways and lead to bronchitis. And you can run with bronchitis because that's one of those things that like, you know, it lasts and lingers for a long time. Long so time. in the, like, um, the initial, you know, after taking the initial sort of resting steps that we just talked about, um, and you're starting to feel better, you can run That's when you're still kind of having that. That yeah. is interesting. You know, and because especially right now, there is that, like, whatever that oh, is going around. I've my heard God. so, so <laughs> I, you know, I go into a hospital and I do, um, I do chair massage. massage for the, you know, employees. And they've, somebody told me that they're calling it like the 100-day cough or something because it's just <gasps> yes. like will not leave. And people feel better, but then they're cough. But that is one thing as a coach. It's always, you know, it's always a little bit. Like you get through that initial stuff and then people are feeling better, but they still have that cough. And I find that kind of a tricky area because you don't want it to like, I'm always a little bit leery of it going into pneumonia or something. Oh, my God. Did you read my notes? I did it. I'm just that oh, smart. You're I'm just, just so a wizard. Smart. I'm okay. a wizard. Okay, so... So you're exactly right. So that's the thing because it's like, oh, well, oh my God, when I was running, I was coughing and having these coughing fits. And then you're like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, that it will, running will kind of stir that up. But again, if you're feeling a lot better um, and you take, you took those initial resting steps, then it's okay. The cough, you know, the running is going to, you know, stir that up. You may have to stop and walk for a little bit to get over your coughing fit, but that's not like, oh, we're in dangerous territory, we shouldn't be running. Um, And in that state, like if that's really long lingering thing, it might be a good idea to talk to your doctor about possibly um, an inhaler like the albuterol, um, those things that you could use pre-run or carry with you on a run to help you open up those airways if you start kind of like hacking like crazy. Um, Another way to help is to, like especially in the cold right now, we are in the cold, and that cold air can also stir up the coughing. Yeah, what is that? So it, even if you're not sick, if you sometimes if you go out and you run, and like I used to get it a lot more than I do now, but like you'd go out and you'd run in that really cold air, and then you'd come back in and you'd have like, I mean, I called it like a runner's cough, which is you're not yeah. sick. It's just you're so you're all you're constricting your airways with that cold, and then you get back into the heat, and then they're opening back up. Maybe it's that transition. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Okay. Um. Anyway, what can we do? You can put a little neck gaiter over your mouth or the balaclava. Did I say it right? Yeah, I think it's so. not the dessert. Um, anyway, to kind of cover um, cover your airways a little bit and add a little bit of humidity because it's kind of that dry air with that cold air mm-hmm. also. Um, but let's fast forward just a little bit into that 
pneumonia question because there are some situations where um, it is dangerous to run. Um, and there's lines that should that you should not cross. Um, and of course, these are these are best dealt on case by case basis. But if you're having like this bronchitis and this coughing and you're developing chest pain with breathing or a fever, that's when it's time to go to the doctor because then you are talking about a bacterial infection like pneumonia. Mm. So don't be like pushing through like, well, <laughs> Amy and Liz said it was okay to run <laughs> this cough. <laughs> but like if, if you're having, you know, like this, you know, chest pain with breathing or uh, a fever, but let's, let's stop and let's go to the doctor. Um, okay, so it was so funny because you and I were emailing back and forth like, oh, what are we going to talk about this week? And this topic of illness with training came up and literally, ping, I get this message. And one of my athletes, um, he's in Training Peaks, he has written this thing. And I'm going to tell you, we're going to go through him because he's a case. Mm-hmm. He's a case. He's a case study. <laughs> he says, hi, Coach Amy. I came down with a bug. Stress readings shot up. Heart rate is up. Slight fever. He refers to his HRV, which is heart rate variability, is really low. And my training readiness went down to one. That's on a scale of one to 100. So this is like stuff that his Garmin watch is telling him. Um, And he's saying, you know, his training readiness was down for three days. Um, The body body battery stat was um, at five to 10 for a high all week, even after sleeping at night. Um, So I want to pause there for a second because there's all, that's a lot of data. That's a lot of information. And this, this athlete is, we, we, we lovingly refer to them as data junkies. I mean, they really like that information. And sometimes we need to say, well, okay. How do you feel? How do you feel? (laughs) What is your, yeah. How is your body feeling? What are the symptoms that are going along with this data? You feel like a champ right now? Because it doesn't sound like it. Right. Um, well, and also like, it depends on when you're wearing that device, right? Like, how is how does it know everything? Like, my Apple Watch thinks I am a slug and that I lay on the couch well, all the time. I mean, so to, to be honest, like yeah. the, the thing that I the thing that I pay the most attention to with this is that heart rate because I do mm-hmm. find it, heart rate variability or just heart well, rate in general not with athletes, exercise. Yes, but like I have almost all my athletes using heart rate stuff. So it's a pretty consistent metric and I get a pretty good, I have enough information to, that, that like I can tell when it's off for somebody. Yeah. So a lot of times what you'll see is that like the heart rate will just be a little bit elevated for like their, their effort output. And yep. so that switches a little bit. And so like, it may be that I noticed that for a few days and then all of a sudden they get sick. So I've learned that that's sort of a red flag. And like this other stuff is too, but I've learned that that heart rate, if you have a good frame of reference for your athlete, and you have good heart rate data, which is fairly easy and consistent to get, that that's a pretty good, you know, this other stuff can come in. That like you're overtraining or fatigued or becoming ill. Well, yeah. I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. there's other, you're, you're pulling in other data points with it, you know, but like, you know, your athlete and that's one of the, but in terms of like, you know, you're taking in their life factors and all the other stuff that you sort of know that's not being measured by the watch. But in terms of like a data point that is reading consistently enough, I feel like that elevated heart rate is is not unusual a few days before somebody actually gets sick. So this yeah. other stuff is good, but sometimes yeah. it's like you can get a misreading or people don't know what to make of it. So that heart rate, right. if you, yeah, I think it's, it's helpful. Yeah. So then he goes on to say, 
I guess I really only <clears throat> missed one four mile run, but I'm just coming out of this illness today and not sure if I should rest today or try to get my three miles in today and stay with the six miles that I have set for the weekend. Um, Garmin still says, so he uses a Garmin watch, yeah. but there's this, these kind of data come from other smartwatches as well. Still says training readiness is low, but it is now orange instead of red. <laughs> and it says, mm. take it easy instead of focus on recovery. So, I mean, that's, that's like good information. He's out there on his own, but he still doesn't really know what to exactly to do with that information. Yeah. And, you know, also, I love that he did put the part about how he's feeling and yep. what his symptoms are. And he said, I still have a bit of congestion in the ears and sinus now, but getting better. So to me, I read that and I'm like, oh, okay, that's above the neck. Mm-hmm. He's beginning to feel better. But looking at kind of his data and when this illness occurred and where he is in his training, my recommendation for him is... Uh, okay, let's not do the three-mile run tomorrow. Let's do a walk and then see how we respond. Like, how do we feel if we just do a walk? And this this gentleman is not a triathlete. He's a, you know, running. Yeah. And, um, and then we're going to start back with a few easy short-distance runs. So <clears throat> we're going to, you know, we're, maybe we'll try uh, like a four, three to four-mile um, in a couple days after, if that walk went really well, you yeah. know, and, and then – and then I'm betting the data on his watch goes back up to green and says, you know, yeah. you're, re- you're ready. Yeah. And then he'll, he, so it's nice for him. And he's got this, you know, a coach to back him up. He's learning what this information is saying. And then he also has the data. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's so just basically a you're example. saying don't do the six miles on the weekend. Let's, right. let's take an easy day and take a few steps to ease back in and then see how you feel. Yeah. And also, you know. His the six mile was going to be his quote unquote long run because that is his long run right now. Yeah. Where you know for for someone else this might be we're looking at a ten or a twenty mile run. Like what right. are you training for? Um, well, and it's interesting because you know I don't know who this guy is, but I was like, okay, so what I took from this is I'm like, well, so he is at a point in whatever he's training for that you know he's doing three and four mile runs during the week, and that and that you know his longer run is at six miles right now, and so it doesn't. What I'm looking at there is. You know, the, the six miles is, it presumably his longer run is on the weekend and a longer run is going to be a bigger ask for somebody regardless yeah. of how, you know. And so if you're looking at what, what is his body ready for in terms of his stress load, you can assume that that six miles for him at where he is in the training is going to be a bigger ask for his body. And given what it says here, it's probably not you know, something his body needs right now to do something oh. that's a little bit more stressful. So bring it down a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And a rule of thumb you could use is say his long run was 10. Let's, let's go half of that. Yeah. Let's go five. Or if it was 20, let's go 10. Yeah. Right. And again, case by case basis, but that's just kind of a rule of thumb to use and kind of a way to get your head space and into what you would be actually a healthier way to get back to it. Um, do we have anything else to say about this topic? How about swimming with gook in your nose and stuff? Like, how do you feel about, like, is there, like, you know, you talked about bike and easy spin. What do you feel about swimming with, like, bronchitis, for example? Uh, Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's so hard. My brain is tripping over it because I'm like, it's so different for triathletes versus if you're, like, working, like, like what I would answer for a swimmer. Um, Okay, so let's talk about it in terms of swimming Training, the swimming part of your workout when you're training a triathlete. Well, you know, because they're only in the pool, like, you know, usually 
it depends on the traffic two to four times a week. So let me just, I mean, <laughs> okay. Let's just, when I was training, it was two a week. Wasn't it? Maybe. I, or, or, surely not. I didn't oh, let you get away with that. Surely maybe not. Maybe at certain points in the training, it was three, but man, I never did four. I would have revolted. Uh, well, see, you see people? Do you see? <laughs> see what she has to deal with. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Right. Um, you know, it's so, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have like a hard and fast rule because swimming, I mean, you can go in and I think, because I'm thinking about it in terms of like stress load on the body. And yes. so, you know, you can get in and swimming can be a very gentle, easy recovery deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're like, you know, having a snot fest, no, you're not going to go get in the pool. Right. I mean, and not like maybe you can do it, but you don't want to be exposing other people to that. So, oh, okay. So <laughs> I have been in the pool and I don't think I've seen any triathletes doing this, but you know, it's community pools, right? And there's other people. And I have seen some like, oh, you don't even want to know what people do in those pools. Oh my God. I know. And I can see the bottom of the pool and what's on the bottom of the pool. (laughs) Used band-aids and brown things that I don't, I'm like, oh my God, what is that? But okay. But then also like people like blowing snot out of their nose into the pool. Yeah. And I mean, it makes my stomach turn and I'm like, there's chlorine in the pool. <gasps> there's chlorine in the pool. They've got the pee. There's, it's killing it, right? And I'm like, I don't think it's killing everything. And I just want to get out and be like, nope, I'm out. I can't think about it. I When I get there, I'm such a germaphobe. I have to just turn off that front of my brain in order to do the workout. I will spare you the details of what else happens oh, no. in that pool. No, please. I will. I'm not going to say it. If you're a swimmer, you know. No. Oh, Never tell me. I will, I will never. You know I won't I get know. back in. Um, so here I just thought of something because I've noticed that in open water swimming, like there's some area lakes that we have here where I'll I'll just get stirred up with, um, I don't you know if it's like algae or whatever is in there. And so if I already had kind of a cold or some kind of gook that I was going, that would really throw me over the edge. Because when I'm well, swimming in the open water can kind of, you well, know, yes, and create I, sneezing and at least for me. It does. And I always worry a little bit about getting dirty water in ears that might be, um, you know, oh. if they're inflamed or like they're, if you're like dealing with a sinus thing or your ears are a little bit off and then you put in dirty lake water, you know, and just, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel I mean, like, but wait, like, um, you told me one time to put in, um, the wax or the earplugs. You can. Yeah. Could if your that. ears, if your ears can handle that, like if they're not sore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then one thing that I noticed, cause I did have some, and I don't know if it's just, I was, I was allergic to it was Shawnee mission lake. Um, and I had just, I mean, it was awful. So then I decided, okay, I'm going to, use um oh what's that saline rinse uh-huh. and, and I would I would train at the Ozarks too on the weekends at like the Ozarks and it was really helpful to, helpful to use that nasal uh, uh rinse mm-hmm. and um I did that anytime I did open water yeah. and it helped you know just I did it immediately after and I also used we learned this as a trick just you know growing up at the lake um and that is using a mixture solution of alcohol and vinegar, like a half and half, which can help also dry up the water that's in there, but also... And you mean in your ears? And it, Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, wow. That's a good clarification. <laughs> oh, my God. Goodness. If we, had, if we had put this in the can and then released it, I would have had to come up the next podcast and be like, correction. <laughs> Another correction. <laughs> um, 
ear, yeah, it was homemade eardrops with alcohol, half alcohol, half hydrogen yeah. peroxide. And you can also buy that in the pharmacy. That's yeah, like swimmer's like ear. Do, does the swimmer's ear just have alcohol? Or does it also have the peroxide? I don't know. It's mostly alcohol. I just have, I, the only reason I don't make my own is just because I have a ton of ear problems and I'm afraid to make my own. So yeah. I just buy it from the pharmacy and I know it's mostly alcohol. I don't know what else is in there. But it's, anything it's interesting like that because will work. the peroxide helps with the sort of like the germs instead the of the peroxide or vinegar. The do you pro- use vinegar or peroxide? Or, well, you could do either one mm-hmm. vinegar or peroxide. <laughs> I think I like the peroxide. Probably. It's, yeah. But. If you're one of those people who had tubes in their ears for, I mean, you know, go with an over-the-counter one. I think most people make their own. It's fine. Yeah. I'm just. But you're just me. Yeah. That's what you would. Okay. Do we have anything else to add about this? Uh... No. All right. Be kind to your body. Yeah. Don't overstress it when you're sick. There you go. It's kind of it. That's an easy. The podcast could have Drink been two seconds water. long. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys, what are your experiences with having illnesses and coming back from them and getting back to your workouts. And how do you feel about it? Leave your comments in our comment section. Do you blow your nose in the pool? No. <laughs> if you do, which pool do you go to? So Amy doesn't go. <laughs> um, where can you leave your comments and where can you see our show notes? At uh, the Coach Amy and Coach Liz show.com. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, we, we are, are in this together. together. Until next time.